she helped me to look at the numbers and we made a projection. Okay, this is how much we want the business to accomplish by the end of the year. This is how much you need to be making um, per month to make sure that you're able to get the income that you want. So at the very least, I know what we need to be making monthly to be able to pay me. And I will know, you know, if we're not doing that, then we need to kind of come back to the drawing board and figure out what things we need to change to make that happen. Throughout the month of August, my guests and I have been talking about the growing pains in reviewing and understanding the financial side of their business. They admitted it was scary to know that they were losing money left and right, or they had made the wrong investment. But after the scary moments, they accepted and took action. Their financial clarity moments gave them the ability to turn around their business, to plan for future growth, and to have financial stability. Financial clarity is so much more than money. It is about having a GPS to guide you in growing a business that fuels the life that you want to live. This is the number one reason why you need to have financial clarity in your business. You're listening to Her CEO Journey, the business finance podcast for women entrepreneurs. I am your host, Christina Shahli. My guests and I take you behind the scenes and into the inner workings of our businesses, sharing the good, the bad, and the truth about the money we have made or lost and recover as entrepreneurs. And all because we want you to see how you can live a freedom lifestyle using the power of finance to build your business dream. This week, I'm talking with Nicola Watson, the CEO and founder of Love Fashion Lab, a fashion design school in Atlanta, Georgia. Nicola has always been disciplined in her spending habits. Yet, one year, she was about to have her baby, the business lost money instead of break even like any other years. Now, she is on the road to seven figures. Let's listen to Nicola's CEO journey and find out what was her financial clarity moment. How did she turn around a lost business to six figures in one year and now on the road to seven figures? Nicola Watson, welcome to her CEO journey. Thanks, Christina. Happy to be here. So a little bit background of Nicola. Nicola is the CEO and founder of Love Fashion Lab School of Design in Atlanta, Georgia. She created the school to create more options for studying fashion, more affordable, less prerequisites, and no more wasting time and money. So, Nicola, I know that you have a corporate background. So tell us your journey from there until you create the school, the reason behind it. So let me give you a little bit of a background on me before I even got into corporate. Before I start, I started my um, corporate fashion design career, I was a community education fashion instructor at my alma mater. So I did my master's degree at the Savannah College of Art and Design, and I was asked to be um, the fashion instructor for the community education program. So I was happy to do that. And I did that for a little over three years. And in the process of doing it, I realized that the students that were taking the program really wanted more. They thoroughly enjoyed what they were learning but they wanted more. And to me, it felt like they wanted the same experience I was getting completing my master's or somebody was getting completing their undergraduate degree in fashion design, 
but that wasn't something that they could do because most of them were working professionals. So mm -hmm. they weren't able to just quit their jobs and go back to school full time to pursue this degree. So I think the seed was planted from that experience teaching. And then it started kind of clicking to me that, you know, I think that there's an opportunity here to give people an, an option to study professional fashion design outside of the traditional college context. So that's how the idea started. And I started it in 2009 which actually was the same year that I started my career at Target Corporation. So it was a little bit tricky to start that business and also start my career. So what I did was I asked my mother to move from New York to keep the business going for me because she has a strong background in fashion design as well. So I knew she'd be able to help me do it. So she moved from New York, came to Georgia, to keep the business running for me while I was able to move to Minnesota and start my corporate career at Target. So in a nutshell, that's how I started it. So you are in Minnesota and your mom is managing the school. Exactly. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and okay. I was working behind the scenes, like doing emails and phone calls and syllabi and calendar, that kind of things that those kind of things that I could do from afar. But she was the one like physically there teaching classes and interacting with students, giving tours, that kind of thing. So can you give me a little bit of background? Like, how did you even get your first student while you are in Minnesota and then your mom is like managing the school and the school basically already started? Like you have a corporate job at the time. Yes. Yeah, so the funny thing is I officially started the business before I, I left for Minnesota. So there was a time when I was the one that was teaching the classes and I got my first student. Honestly, I had uh, information about the fashion lab posted on Google. Like I had um, SEO search engine optimization and Google, a, a little bit of Google AdWords going. So people would find the information on Google and contact us through email. So that's how I found some of my first students. But otherwise, one of my very first students was actually um, a classmate of mine. So she was in the uh, master's degree program with me. And there were some classes that were challenging for her. So she decided to take classes at Le Fashion Lab to help her kind of manage the challenges of being in the graduate program and not being able to get that one-on-one -on -one attention. She could get the one-on-one -on -one attention from Le Fashion Lab, but she couldn't necessarily get it in the graduate program. So she came to me for help. So I'd say there are three ways that I got my first students. One, through Google. Two, people who already knew me through the context of um, like the graduate fashion program. And also people who were enrolled in the community education program at SCAD who wanted more than just that one class. I kept their information and kept in touch with them so that when I officially launched the business, I could just contact them and say, hey, the Fashion Lab is up and running now. So if you want more than just that one class, we have that option for you. So can you share, like, what was your first business model? When you first started your school, what do you have in mind about the school? How many students that you were trying to attract? Like, how do you design your program at the very beginning? And how has that evolved over time? Because it has been 10 years. Hmm, let me see if I can even try to remember what I was thinking then. So 
I think a lot of what informed my thought process back then was one of my undergraduate majors was advertising and marketing. Mm -hmm. So I had a good understanding or should I say a pretty good understanding of what a target customer is and, you know, just the basic mindset of how to start a business. So that really helped me in the beginning. Originally, what I was thinking is, okay, great, I'm going to have this school. People are going to come, be able to come here and take classes. We're going to offer more than what the colleges are offering because we're going to have options to do it on the weekend. We're going to have options to people to do it in the evening so that they don't have to mess up their nine to five job schedule. And honestly, Christina, I just started it from home. I was um, fortunate that my husband is very supportive. And so he allowed me to start the business out of his house. So honestly, I just got one sewing machine so we could teach sewing, one table so I could teach pattern making, one computer so that I could teach um, computer classes pertaining to fashion design, and also like one sketching table so I could teach sketching. That was how it started. And the grand vision was I could see myself with a location where it wouldn't just be one student in the class. My goal was to have maybe like 10 students in the class so we could still keep it really small and personal um, because colleges tend to be really congested with 20, 30, 60 students in a class. I knew I wanted to keep it small, but I definitely wanted it to be more than just the one student that I started off with. So when you first started, basically you started with one student. Yes. You know, that came to your house and then you started teaching about that. So when did you start moving to outside your house? Like how long did it take you to move to a physical location? It didn't take very long. So I'd say maybe one year later, we moved to a physical location, but even then it was still very um, personal. It wasn't like I got a lease. So it was a friend of ours that had a graphic design and screen printing business. So he had like a lot of extra warehouse space and he said, yeah, we'd be happy to host you here. So we moved the equipment there and that was our next location. And then uh, a few years later, maybe like one year later, we moved to our own official place meaning this is we had a landlord and we paid rent so it took a while before we were in our um, official own location because I was trying to keep expenses as low as possible. So when you moved to your friend's warehouse how many students did you have at the time? You know we still had in each class I'd say maybe one or two students it was still very um, personal and one-on-one But I would say in a given year, it it had improved. Like, I think my first year I had one. And then maybe by the second year, it was four students consistently. And then maybe by the next year, it was like nine students. So the growth was small, but I could still see it. And when I say like nine students, those students were taking maybe like two or two and a half classes. So it wasn't just that they were taking one class and they were done. So I saw like slow growth. So the first thing that you offer your first student, is it a class or is it a program consisting of several classes? So how did you develop that program? So it was a class. And I can tell you that originally my mindset was always to offer a program. That's what I wanted. 
I had an entire program outlined because in my mind, I could see where maybe you come to us not knowing anything about fashion design, but I could lead you strategically from one class to the next to the next till finally you get to from A to Z, where my goal for the students was they'd be able to sketch something up out of their head and actually bring it to life with the skills and techniques that they had learned. So that was always my goal. But somewhere along the line, I kind of lost my way. And even though I had all of these wonderful classes to take, I allowed people to pick and choose which ones they'd like to take. And that was not the best business model because you'd find that people would only be taking one or two classes and not truly getting the value that they could from the program. So they'd take one or two classes maybe lose interest, come back three years later to take another class. But by then they had forgotten what they had learned. The vision that I had in my head wasn't really coming to fruition. So when did you start realizing that? And then what made you realize that, uh oh, this business model is not working? You know, Christina, let me tell you, I had gotten very comfortable for a while. And part of the reason that I had gotten comfortable was I had a good corporate career. So I, you know, financially, I was in a good place personally. And also I had a business that while it was not this great thriving business, it was still managing its own bills comfortably, still paying um, instructors comfortably. So for me, everything felt fine, even though the business wasn't making me any money necessarily. Like I think one year I made a couple of thousand dollars. And But most of the years, I wasn't getting paid, but I was fine with that because I was making pretty good money in my corporate career, so it didn't bother me. But then when I decided to walk away from my corporate career to give the business an opportunity to really start paying me and doing what I wanted it to do, it couldn't because I hadn't... I hadn't set it up for success to do that. It was able to, you know, do its own thing, pay its bills, pay instructors, but it didn't have what it took to pay me as well. So I took a break from my corporate career and decided to um, focus on it for a year. And I also had some savings set aside to kind of, you know, maintain myself just in case things didn't work. And it was not able to pay me. And I felt very nervous, like I am going to run this business into a hole because I'm trying to take money from it every month and it can't pay me. And so I got, got kind of nervous, kind of took my tail in between my legs and went back into the corporate world. So when was that that you took a break? So I took a break. I can't remember exactly. It was when I left Target, which I think was maybe like 2015 or 2016. So the school has been around for six years then. Yes. And it started making money. I'd say it started getting profitable after three years, but the profit wasn't anything substantial. It wasn't. Is it a break even? Was it a loss? Okay, so by year three, it broke even, meaning it didn't have any debt, everything was paid up, and it could manage itself comfortably. And after that, it got profitable. So let me backtrack a little bit. Mm. It broke even after three years, paid up all of its debt. I'd say it maybe went like another two years, uh, just kind of coasting, doing its thing, paying stuff comfortably. Soon after that, like 2015 or so, I left my corporate job to focus on it to see if it could um, pay me. It wasn't able to say so I went back to the corporate world 
And then I ended up leaving corporate again because the bottom kind of fell out on my life. Like I got laid off from my job because, you know, all that turbulence was going on in the retail industry and I was impacted by that. And then at the same time, I was pregnant with my daughter. And so like I was kind of forced to really take a look at the business. And at that point, I was very confused. I didn't know which direction I was going into. I didn't know if I was going to try to make the business really work this time. But I felt like I didn't know what to do to make it work. Or was I going to go back to school, which seems to be the thing that people do when they don't know what to do. Oh, let me just go and get another degree. I didn't know what I I wanted to do. So I remember I was teaching at university. I had a job teaching some college students in university. And I had them listening to a, a YouTube video. And the YouTube video was about the, like the components for success. What do successful people tend to have in common? And it listed out some characteristics that I thought I had. Like, you know, you have to have grit. You have to have determination, diligence, all these things. And I'm like, okay, check, check, check. And then one of the things that it um, mentioned was they usually have a coach. And I was like, man, that's the only thing I'm missing right now. I do not have a coach. And why that resonated with me is a couple of years prior, my husband and I signed up for a coaching program with one of his friends who is very successful in e-marketing. And that was the year that I saw the business double, like the growth, the business doubled from what it had made from the year before. And that double, it was able to consistently keep up for at least two or three more years. That was when I got comfortable because the business was doing what it needed to do. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, why didn't I think about that before? Because we've done coaching before and it worked. We did it for a year and just never bothered to do it again. So when my life kind of came to that like crisis point where I'm like, I need to figure this thing out right now. That was when I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I need to do. I need a coach because clearly I don't know what to do myself. And I need somebody to help guide me along. You got a coach. And then mm-hmm. that moment that you got a coach, what happened? I guess what I want to know as well, how is that impact your, the financial picture of your business? Everything changed when I got a coach. The, the most important thing for me, I just kind of made it very clear to my coach. And this was somebody that I knew from my corporate background. So there was like a lot of trust in not only her as a person, but also trust that she, in her expertise, in terms of like business management, that kind of thing. So my number one question is, is this business viable? Does it make sense? Because one, the thing with me is, if somebody tells me, no, this doesn't make sense, I'm happy to pack it up and try something else. So I just wanted that outside um, affirmation that this was something that had legs to grow or rooms to, room to grow. And she took a look and said, this is absolutely a diamond in the rough. We need to just forget about everything else and focus on it. So she gave me that validation and made me feel comfortable that I could drop all the other um, thoughts that I had flying, going around in my head about what I should do. I was comfortable walking away from those and totally putting all my energy into this business. I would say the impact was immediate. And this is why at that time in my life, mentally, I was very confused. 
because, you know, I'm about to have this baby. I think at that point when I signed up with her, I just had a baby. So baby was maybe like six months old. The year prior, the business had its first year of loss. It might have been like a $25,000 loss. I was so nervous because prior to that, the business had been doing fine enough to at least keep itself afloat. And that was the first year I just had a new baby and the business needed me to reinvest in it to keep it going. I'm like, oh my God, I can't do this. This is like nerve wracking. But, you know, she gave me the validation and I had a job at that time that was making me like pennies, honestly, per month. I'm teaching at the university. And once she gave me that validation that this is a diamond in the rough and gave me the, she gave me the confidence to walk away from that and free up some more of my time to really focus on the business. Because the job that I had was very demanding in terms of time and wasn't paying a lot in terms of money. So with me just walking away from that job, I was able to free up more time that I needed to focus on growing this business. So that's how it impacted me immediately. And I can say um, I invested in the coaching program and then within like less than a year, the business was paying me personally like three times more than I was making at, that, at the college when I was teaching. So what changes did you make that the business is able to pay you now? Because for the first, you know, 2009 and then 2015 that you were, you left Target, right? Your corporate job. And then after that, it, it created a loss. Then you turn it around. What happened there? Like, what did you turn around other than your emotional stage, other than your mentally yourself? get the confidence and the focus? What did you change in terms of your business itself? For me, like you mentioned, the mindset was a big thing. So I mentioned to you that originally my vision for the business was to have a program for people to go through. Here's this program that takes you from step A to step Z. But I walked away from that because I didn't think that there's anybody who would really want to go through the whole program. So I had allowed people to nitpick at my business and say, oh, I just want to take this class here and this class there, which was never the goal. So the whole coaching program gave me the confidence that I needed to go back to that original model. So me and my coach, we looked at it, kind of killed the business the way it was being done and went back to what was the original goal, which was to have the whole program. And part of what she helped me to do as well, while I had the idea for the whole program, it was not clearly mapped out. I didn't know if the program was going to be, I think I had like a six-month program and an 18-month program and a one-year program and a two, it was like confusing. So if I tried to communicate that to anybody, they'd be like, wait, what? I, I don't understand where you're going or what you're talking about. So she gave me the clarity that I needed to say, okay, well, guess what? We have a one-year program and we have a two-year program. That's really easy to understand. It's straightforward. So she, you know, helped me to clarify what that vision was so that I was able to communicate it more effectively. Also, just in terms of mindset, in my own mind, I didn't think that there was anybody who would invest in um, an entire program because I didn't think that they'd see the need or the value. But I got the confidence that I needed to say, hey, guess what? Um, there are people out here that would value this business model and would excitedly and happily pursue this opportunity. So we were just able to kill the business the way it was functioning before 
and just move forward with the the new one and two year program model and that made all the world of a difference the first time ever the business became a six figure business one year yeah in one year in like no time okay now this is my question to you when you created that business model right about the for the one year and the two years program did you know it was going to make a six figures income did you do some kind of like cash flow projection did you do some kind of like financial model that give you the big picture this is the revenue that i gonna receive because you know doing a one year to two years program you also have to make sure that you have all the instructors aligned for each of the course because you know you just have a brand new baby you don't want to spend all your time as well right right time so what did you do in terms of the numbers the financial what did you look at to make sure that the one year and the two years program will work for your business the funny thing about it is with my business even at that time expenses were pretty stable mm. so when the business was on a high expenses were the same when the business fell down and couldn't maintain itself for that year that crisis year the expenses were still the uh, same so you have a lot of fixed expenses exactly so my expenses were fixed in terms of rent in terms of um instructor pay for the most part most of that was fixed so as long as i could focus on generating income recruiting students making sure that students were having a good experience while at the business then it would obviously like turn a profit at some point because expenses were pretty um stable now what about in terms of capital investment because you know you said at the very beginning you need a sewing machine you need a design table you need all the other capital investment that you have to provide to your students in order for you to run the business because if you don't have that that equipment or the tools the computer for example you cannot teach your students So where did that capital investment comes from to this one or two years program from the time when we moved to um allowing people to nitpick the business to saying no we have the one year program two year program that's just all that we offer I didn't need to invest too much more in machines because we already had them mm. we we just weren't making good use of them because we were allowing people to nitpick So um we had the machines we had tables I think I had to get one more table and I got that um used so it wasn't like a whole um major expense and I can backtrack and say how did I get those equipments in the first place I can tell you I didn't have any money so it's not like I had some kind of trust fund to pull from or I had some magical fairy godmother sending me money but I have discipline when it comes to my own finances. Mm. So from the very moment that I started my corporate career, I was putting I think 10% on a minimum, 10% of my income goes towards the business. Whatever it is that the, the business needs at that point. I know like in the beginning, my mother she put a lot of the the tables and equipment that we needed on her own credit card because she trusted that I would pay her back. and just like clockwork i just put 10% aside was what got me um the website that i needed so the business would have a public face 10% was what got me the machine sewing machines the tables and everything and i had those equipments already 
so that when I transitioned to the one or two year program, there wasn't really a whole lot of investment that I needed to make to actually get that working. So in terms of the finance strategy, I think what you're telling me is this. For the capital investment, you are using your own money, your personal money, and then put it into the school, right? And right. school itself, the way you look at it, it has to be able to run on its own and then at, at the very minimum break even, right? So you told me that you are good with your money personally right? In your personal finance side. Now, how is that translate into your business finance? What did you do there to make sure that like you look at the numbers? How often do you review it? Did you create a budget? Did you create a cash flow projection? What did you do? Okay. So let me tell you that I am not a financial wizard. If I could give myself a grade, I'd probably say finances is where I actually rank the lowest in terms of this whole entrepreneurship journey. But what I can say about myself, like I've mentioned before, is that I'm a disciplined person. So even though I might not be as savvy with, okay, what's the cash flow projection and all like, you know, the terminology that is used by a financial expert, one thing that I know is that I will not overspend. I will not go shopping and buy all of these, the latest and greatest things just to keep up appearances. I'm very disciplined about saving, blah, blah, blah. But that's where my, um, my coach helped me again, because where I am, I might be weaker. She's stronger. She's very good with numbers and that kind of thing. So I told her what my vision was for myself and what I, I wanted the business to be able to do for me. And then she helped me to look at the numbers and we made a projection. Okay, this is how much we want the business to accomplish by the end of the year. This is how feasible it is because on the low end, this is how many students you might recruit. On the high end, this is what we're hoping that you would recruit. And then we fall somewhere in the middle. This is how much you need to be making um, per month to make sure that you're able to get the income that you want. So at the very least, I know what we need to be making monthly to be able to pay me. And I will know, you know, if we're not doing that, then we need to kind of come back to the drawing board and, and the drawing board and figure out what things we need to change to make that happen. Okay. When you were not working with a coach and then you were like, the numbers that you have, the, the financial aspect of your business, you knew, but you didn't have a full picture of what's going on. And then you work with a coach and then you realize that she gave you, this is the minimum, this is the maximum. It's going to give you something in the middle. How did you feel when you have like, to me, it's kind of like a crystal ball to see what your future is going to look like. Yes, it gives you so much more comfort just to say, oh, okay, I guess this is feasible. And then in addition to that, too, because entrepreneurship can be a lonely journey. Yeah. It just working with a coach makes you feel like you have a teammate. You have somebody there who is working with you. And, you know, it's even better than working in corporate with a boss because it feels more like an equal partnership. And it feels, you know, like the, the intentions are good all, all the way around. Like this person has your back and you can have their back too. So it, it's, it's been a great experience working with a coach. And then like I mentioned, where I might be weak, 
she's strong because I was looking for somebody with a good financial background, good understanding of the numbers, because I know that that's not necessarily my strength. So other than the fact that, you know, after you work with her, you saw like you change your program to one and two years. And then I think, I believe that when she looked at the number and then she applied your old models to the number, to the projection, it probably she said, no, that didn't make sense. Because how can you determine the consistency of the revenue each month, right? Because you couldn't foresee, people can leave at any times, or you couldn't predict like what's going to happen with your income while you said that your expenses stay the same. And then you already put in the capital in investment. So the only component that you can play around or you can increase is obviously your revenue. And then I, I believe, because that's how I would see it, right? When I look at the number, the number give you like the whole big pictures about everything. And then from there, you can align your marketing strategy. How many students? How are you going to target that student? Exactly. So once she looked at um, everything, it just made sense. It made complete sense. And then I understood, you know, this is why I have been stressed out because if there's no consistency with the students, because every two months our calendar changes, every two months it's new students who you know are not going to stick around. So not only is it stressful because it's hard to maintain, but it's also stressful on in the instructors because the instructors have so much to offer, so much talent. And they want to pour everything into these students, but they're not sticking around long enough because they didn't have the right level of interest. So we were able to just refocus everything, our marketing message and everything to target the right ideal customer, the one who was really serious about learning um, professional fashion design and would commit to a one or two year program. So that's been to me, what you're explaining to me is that that is the power of numbers to help you scale up the business. Exactly. Because you said after you work with her, you have like a good strategy. You have the financial clarity that you need. You have the cash flow projection that you need. Basically, your business scaled up because you can reach six figures like in that first year. In a major way, the business wow. scaled up. It scaled up so much that she was able to let me see, like, it's not even far-fetched for it to become a seven-figure business. So that's what we're working on. Oh. Yeah. So she gave me a lot of comfort. And it's exciting because I'm not afraid of work. Mm-hmm. I love working, but I just need to know that what I'm working towards is actually feasible. And from she, she was able to give me that clarity. Then I'm like, I'm good. Now we can keep going. Do you think if you continue what you were doing without looking at the big picture, do you think you would be able to achieve the six figures in the same years? Not at all. And I know for sure if things didn't turn around for me quickly, I'm pretty sure what I would have done is gone back into the corporate world. And then I would have ended up moving out of state because Georgia is not necessarily the the best place for my kind of corporate career. Um, it's okay if you're choosing entrepreneurship, but not if you want to be a corporate fashion designer. There are not many companies based here. So I would have moved. And what would have happened is I would have taken my baby with me and my baby would not have had the opportunity to grow up with her grandmother close by and her father's family close by. So 
it's not only benefited me, but it's benefited the people in my family as well, because my mother really appreciates having um, her granddaughter so close by. So it's been great for everybody. Yeah. Other than looking at the financial numbers and then changing the program, what else did you tweak in your business to make it like it's reaching the six figures and then it's able to pay you? Did anything change in terms of your expense, your profit margin? Like in some ways that my expenses went up a little bit because I moved into a bigger location and also like a more visible location. Ideally, we wanted to be a little bit more central so people would be able to find us. But we knew that that the increase in expense was only going to be temporary because now that I have a bigger space, I'm able to have two classes going at the same time, which, you know, before the place was really small, so I could only have one class going at a time. Now I'm able to update the schedule where we can have two classes going at the same time. And eventually that's going to pay like tenfold mm-hmm. if we're able to have two programs of uh, one or two year students. What about marketing strategy? What did you do in terms of marketing strategy? Did you pay like Facebook? Did you pay any advertising? We always had our Google AdWords campaign going because I mentioned to you before I was in a, a mastermind program prior to my current coach. Oh, I didn't know. Yes, prior to my current current coach, I was in a mastermind coaching program for a year. And that was when the business was able to go from, I think, let's say like, oh, this is the one that you and your husband. Exactly. So and that program was really helpful in terms of me understanding um, e-marketing. So even though I might not necessarily have the techniques and the strategies, I was able to connect with people who had that kind of those kinds of skills. So I had always had um, people working on our Google AdWords campaigns and our SEO and that kind of thing. And that's why I said, like, even that, our expenses did not increase because we were doing the right thing there. So that expense didn't increase once we changed the, the business model. But one thing, because we now had clarity in terms of where we were going and what we were hoping to accomplish, we had a better understanding of who the ideal student would be who we wanted to work with. And so we were able to completely change the, the marketing message around to attract that person and to speak directly to that person. So before I didn't really know who our customer was because it was so hodgepodge and it's like, oh, is this person who she maybe she just wants to learn to sew for herself for fun? Or, you know, it was just all over the place. Now I know that this is somebody who has thought about fashion design for a long time sincerely wants to commit herself to learning um, the skills needed, but cannot go to a traditional college because it's just not feasible for her to walk away from her job to do it. So I know I have a very clear understanding of who our person is right now, who our target customer is right now. And before all of the finances changed, I didn't really understand who the person was. So my message was more scattered. Because you didn't have the big picture. Now you have the big picture. You have the financial clarity. That's it. And then it's driving. Because once you know how many people that you need to to bring in, and then also like the pricing that you want to charge, I don't know. It's just to me, because I'm a number person, It's I always fall back to the number and then to see the big picture first before I start thinking about the details. So what about in terms of pricing, Nicola? Did you change anything in terms of pricing 
once you have that clarity. Yeah, I did. So let me let me even go back. So before I had, was involved in any sort of coaching or mastermind program, my classes were $250 for some and $500 for some. The $250 classes like, were like 20 hours long. So you can see it was not translating into much because in my mind, I was still thinking per hour. So I'm like, oh, you know, maybe $10 per hour. I don't know. I don't know. So it was, but I, I didn't know what I was doing. I said $250 and $500 because still I wanted to keep my customer forefront. I wanted to make it accessible for them, right? And then when I joined the mastermind program and the people in the program laughed at my pricing and said, that is ridiculous. You have people coming from Nigeria. Seriously? So international. Yeah, to take classes with us. Somebody from England coming to take classes with us. And the people in the program laughed at me, say, you know, you're sitting here on a, a gold mine and you're selling it for peanuts and it's way more valuable than that. So. It was so difficult for me, but I decided to double because they wanted me to triple the pricing. And I'm like, I'll just, I'll try for double. And I was really nervous about it. But then that totally changed things at that point, right? And then now, um, once we evolved into the one and two year program, even though I haven't necessarily changed the per class price, it's now an entire program. So people don't get to choose like one class here or two classes there. They have to choose that. They have to you know, commit to the whole program. And um, I'm comfortable with that right now because we're still able to be like one-fifth or one-tenth of the cost of a traditional fashion college. So it's really quite a steal to be able to get the same skills that you would at a professional fashion college, but for like one-fifth or one-tenth of the cost. Yeah, and so even though I didn't change... I didn't necessarily change the per class price. Um, it did change everything when you look at it as like a one or two year program. So did you think about it in an hourly rate or did you think in terms of a value-based pricing for your program? Yeah, you know, I think you're right. I, I wasn't necessarily thinking in terms of hourly. I think I was thinking in terms of value. Like in my mind, I'm like, thinking, okay, I think this class that's 20 hours long or 10 hours long, I think this is how much it would value. Mm. So I think that's how, come, how I came up with that original pricing. And I think I was also comparing it to what the college was charging for their program. When I was teaching the community education program, I think I was trying to make it a little bit more comparable. The only thing is um, the community education program was not what their business was based on. That was just a little fringe thing that they did. So I wasn't necessarily setting up my school for success if I am trying to compare it to what the college does on a fringe level, you know? Yeah, because it's different. You, you Like you said, the college has 20 to 30 students and then you keep it like a private school. That's how I see it. It's more private. It's more high touch. It's one-on-one. -on -one. They get more attention, more help. Right. Obviously, if you think about that, the value has to be more. But you probably didn't see that before, right? You didn't. I did not. You did not see that because you're really in the details. And then I think your mindset at that time, like, how can I give value to my students? But you're not thinking, how can I give value to myself too? 
exactly how to give value to them but not to me (laughs) (laughs) but this is the interesting part though like you said that you were in the mastermind and that it's double right you 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 basically increase your price but i think around that time as well didn't you have the twenty five thousand loss as well no that was when the business went from making like 30 something thousand for the year. Yeah. And in the year that I joined that first mastermind, it went to 75,000 a year. And then it was able to sustain that for many years, which was when I got comfortable because I had my good corporate job and then the business was doing its own thing. Okay. But the the $25,000 loss happened before you jumped from the 30 to the 75. It happened after. So this was the trajectory. So first the business was doing like 30 something thousand a year. Mm-hmm. And then it went to, it shot up to 75,000 when I did the um, mastermind program. And then it maintained that for a year, um, for quite a few years. And then the year that the bottom fell out was the same year that I um, had my daughter and got laid off, that was when it went down to like 50,000 a year or 50,000 for that year. And that was when I was like, yeah, I can't do this. I need to figure this out. Okay. So was that because of volume, the number of students or was it what happened there? You know, partially it was just what was going on in my own personal life because we also stopped classes for like a whole month so that I could, you know, focus on baby And also so that I could get some help from my mother with the baby. And I really wanted that. So for like a whole month, we didn't have any classes at Le Fashion Lab. So I could transition into being being a new mother. And I think that helped to affect the business as well. Mm. So tell me what is exciting for you for the remaining 2019. And then what do you expect in 2020? You know, so much is exciting for me right now. I think the most exciting thing is that I'm not confused anymore about what I'm doing because I have that mental clarity. I can fully and completely commit to this business and only this business, which is what I want to do. I'm excited for new students that are about to start in a couple um, weeks. We have a full daytime class starting in August and like a half full weekend program that's starting. I'm excited for what my students have been accomplishing so far and how valuable they um, the program is to them based on what they've said. I'm excited for the business to meet its financial goals for the year and continue to grow as a six-figure business. And then in my big vision, I look forward to when it makes it to a seven-figure business because ultimately I am an achiever type person and just um, being able to achieve those goals and metrics make me really happy and excited, motivated. Do you open the door for the school like once a year or how does it work? It's twice a year. So we have programs starting in August and then January. Oh, oh yeah. okay. So August, you have a new group of students and then it's one year and two years. That's how you do it, right? Correct. Yes. So okay. those who can, those who have time during the day, can go in the one-year program. Um, But those who have their jobs, so they just don't have that level of time to commit, then they can do the weekend or the evening program. And those programs are two years. So what about in terms of your marketing? Are you marketing just for local or still international? You know, um, just for local right now, 
but I do have it on my to-do list uh, because we have had success with um, Africa primarily mm-hmm. and we see opportunities elsewhere. I do have it on my agenda to um, get into some more detailed marketing for those groups. But right now I've been able to focus more on the local because the local has actually been proven, proving to be like viable. Ah, okay. So I would love to hear what would be your advice for female entrepreneurs who have the dream to have their own business, but they're struggling to move forward? You know, my advice, the first thing that I can think of is just don't try to do it by yourself. I think sometimes we get so caught up in being smart, like we we want to have all the answers and we want to be the person that can say, I did it all on my own because I'm just this smart and wonderful person. But Honestly, you're going to need support and guidance. Where you are weak, find a coach that is strong that can help you. There are people out there with skill set that you don't have. So why not just embrace what they're able to teach you and then both of you can work together to build something great. We don't have enough time to sit there and make all of the mistakes when there are people out there who have made those mistakes and can help us avoid them. So why not take advantage of expertise that is out there for you to take advantage of. Nicola Watson, thank you so much for being in the show. Thank you, Christina. It's been great. Thank you so much for joining me here every week at Her CEO Journey, the business finance podcast for women's entrepreneurs. Head on over to christinashahli.com forward slash Her CEO Journey to subscribe for this podcast. And don't forget to tell other women entrepreneurs that this podcast is available for free in the podcast apps of their choice. Until next time, and let's continue to grow a business that fuels the life that you want to live.